Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about addictive games, city planning, and part one of the interview with Jamie Thurston from 52 Lives. Welcome, my friends, to The Kindness Project. I am joined by a girl who is a proper prefect who makes me very proud. It's Charlotte James Dames. Oh, I've got your name wrong. Uh, Charlotte Jane Dames Esquire. How are you, Charlotte Jane Dames Esquire? I appreciate the illustration and the opening. Um, and I'm... That's the dog, just no, reckon joint. Oh, it's the hangers, reckon joint. And I'm joined by the man, after 20 levels of house paint, said, one more, it's Chris James. What story is that then? <laughs> Do you remember when we were on the flight back from Japan, and I gave him my phone to show you this game? Oh, house paint. You know what, that is probably the most pointless game I've ever played. But quite fun, actually. You know, you know what, you know what really gets me, like the game that really gets me where I'm going one more time, one more time. Crossy Road. <laughs> Crossy Road is the ultimate. It's like the cocaine of mobile phone games or Fruit Ninja. That oh, that fruit ninja. I tell you what, that is like the, the if you want an super addictive game Fruit Ninja or Crossy Road is is where we are with that I think that um, yeah that is that is it and we are also joined by the silent assassin the man of many words not <laughs> the the man of oh so many words the sarcasm the man who without we couldn't do the podcast mm-hmm. It's the man who likes a pizza or five. It's <laughs> Russell Dames. All right, Russ? Would now be a good time to tell you I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, not halfway through recording, mate. We don't even halfway through, we're just the no, no, not year. halfway through recording. And I've got to share a story with you, Charlotte, because Russell and I went to a business oh, in this oh. morning and uh, there was a man from the council there um, and he did a presentation that was so bad, Russell said it was like a SimCity game, the world's worst SimCity game. Now, you don't know what SimCity is, do you? I just think of the you Sims. don't know what Sims is. No. Yeah. Oh. So it's like The Sims, but you get to build a city. Oh, I have it played had, Sims. It actually came out before The Sims. So, so yeah, it did. They, they remade it for mobile. It was great. They did. They did. But yeah, it was a hour and a half PowerPoint presentation on where they were going to put trees in Rumford. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Where are we going to put our trees? Well, I recommend here right next to this nope, in the market square in, in the market square and I, I i actually like about half hour in because i was getting super bored i put my hand up and went so tell me um tell me when you're planning to do this he went i'll get to that right Don't forget the tram oh yeah the tra- <laughs> they're, they're, they're thinking about building the tram in robford right oh, yeah. so half hour in i'm getting super frustrated so i put my hand up and go uh so when are you doing this i'll get to that right <laughs> Another half hour later, he still hasn't got to the point where he's telling us, right? I walk out 
and Russell's left in the room and I wait for him outside because I was getting too frustrated and then um, I uh, I Russell came out and I asked the bloke so when are they doing this oh no they're just thinking about it <laughs> Christ I've been out I've been out I've wasted an hour of my life on a guy dreaming about Romford. What is going on? What is going on? I mean, it's better than dreaming about Cranham, but... but My dreams of Cranham were perfectly reasonable, thank you. I didn't want to reinvent Cranham. I just wanted to see what it was like. Yeah. At least I didn't want to reshape the place and just never got round to it. But while we're there... I actually did go and visit Cranham. But while while we're here, how would you change Romford? In one word. I know what my word is. Bulldozer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a massive, giant bulldozer. No, I'm only kidding. What would I you... Spring clean, though. Spring <laughs> clean. But he wanted to open up the River Rom. He wanted to do that. I thought that would cause flooding, but well, apparently I not. So I was sacking day. <laughs> Don't name checking, mate. It's not fair. Dave Theodopoulos, you did an amazing job. I don't know if that's his name actually. Yeah, but they, they, it, it proves that um, it proves that the so limit. Architecture can be very, very slow. He wasn't an architect. No, this wasn't architecture. This was city planning. Yeah, this apparently is different. Apparently, it's different. Apparently, there's a difference uh, now. So, so. Now we've just decried city planning on a monumental scale. Um, should we get on with the show? We're missing some stuff, you kids. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, 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 you're right. We're missing lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Go on in. Get stuff. Charlotte, can you do us a favour, darling, and get us back on track properly? Yeah, exactly. Like, a pro- like the professional podcast we apparently are. We are? Oh, no. Um, um, right, go on. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I mean, pigeons quite slow, isn't it? So. No, some of them could get you in like a week. Yeah. Um, MySpace. No, we had to get rid of that. There was a legal issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the legal issue with our MySpace that I didn't know about? Yeah. Uh, no, let's not talk about the legal issue we have with MySpace. Russ, do you know what the legal issue we have with MySpace is? I didn't even know we had MySpace. Oh, right. Okay. Okay, there's that's, that's avoid my space like the plague. Um, okay. <laughs> was it about the plague, the legal issue? Right, Maybe. anyway, this week's question of the podcast. Um, oh, sorry, how's the prefect job going? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to be better than that. Just meh. We, um, we stand at doors. <laughs> right. Enough of the prefecting. Could you, I'll tell you what, that town planning meeting's looking really attractive right now. Why are you staring at doors? Christ! We stand, give a, we stand at 
doors and make sure students don't get out of hot. You know what I'm thinking, Russ? Bring back Dave. Well, I mean, he, at least he was really? talking about trees. Clearly, we Dave doubles as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I tell you what, think about standing by a door and we'll open up the River Rom. Um, uh, well, yeah, we also get to, well, I've put myself forward for doing some things with the new Year 7s that are coming in September because apparently we need, they need to be made Whipped. more comfortable. <laughs> Whipped. <laughs> Punished. They've not even started yet. Um, no, they start, oh my God, their, their induction day is this month. Oh, God. Well, can you believe this? September is going to be... The start of September is going to be your last year. Hello. That is, like, amazing. Hello. It's all good. Hello. Anyway, um, so... We, got, we have a question, though. Question of the podcast. What have your kids done recently which has made you very proud? That's our question of the podcast. So if you could... Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn us, do whatever you need to. Um, I'm at Chris Dames, C H R I S D A E M S. You've got a Twitter profile, haven't you? I think I do. Okay. The only person I follow is you and Satan, but okay. (laughs) What? The only people you follow is me and Satan? Yeah. (laughs) Has Satan got a good Twitter profile? What does what does Satan tweet about? Oh, just just it's funny. Funny. Uh, so um, he's got one, one of my favourite posts he put on there was, um, <laughs> "Don't commit suicide. You have to outlive your enemies." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> or money posted today, and it was like um, relationship status: single, taken, dying alone. <laughs> so all quite. Fun stuff. I tell you what, that presentation with Dave's looking even better now. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I, I think Dave is Satan in disguise and as a tower planner. Right, then should we get on with the show? So the I am excited. Do you know why I'm excited? Because one of my the favourite favourite interviews we've ever done. Um, is with the lady that we're featuring this week. It's a lady called Jamie Thurston. She um, runs a um, massively kind Facebook group. And that Facebook group... Pay forward? It's not pay it forward. It's 52 lives. And what she does is help people in a different way each and every week. And in part of this interview, we'll talk about how uh, 52 Lives took off, how she... Oh, um, 52. Okay. Yeah, so once a week. Once a week. Once a every, week. Every, every week in the year. Agreed. And 52 Lives took off, how she went on surprise, surprise, and that was really good, and um, why she thinks kindness is a cool thing. Should we listen? Kindness is always cool. Let's listen. So thanks for coming on the podcast podcast again Jamie I got it so wrong last time because we did record a really interesting interview that I have failed to record properly so thanks for uh, forgiving my uselessness and coming back on <laughs> well I, the problem is I, it was so long ago I can't even remember what we talked about so hopefully we can we can duplicate it as as, as well this time um, but just as a kick off and because our listeners didn't hear our first chat tell us a little bit about you um, well, I'm the chief exec and the founder of 
founder of a charity called 50 Lives. Um, I'm an author. I wrote a book all about kindness. Yeah. Uh, what else about me? I've got three kids. Okay. I live in Berkshire. Okay. How old are the kids? I've got an eight-year-old, a ten-year-old, and a one-year-old. Okay. And who is it? Boys or girls? Two boys and a girl. The little one's a boy. The little one's a boy. Okay. Who's the most challenging? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the eldest, my ten-year-old girl. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and uh, what inspired you to start thinking and writing about kindness and launching a charity? Out of a charity. A charity launched by accident. To be honest. Okay. I, I never really set out to, to to become a registered charity. It started off as a little Facebook page for my friends and family. Um, and actually, even before that, it started off with me just helping somebody who I knew needed help. Okay. Um, I heard about a lady. Um, uh, I came across, actually, it was a wanted ad on a website. She was looking for uh, rugs, basically. It was, it was a second-hand furniture-type website. Okay. And there was a that wanted rugs. And I read the ad, and it just sounded really desperate. It was a lady who said she needed uh, rugs to cover her broken floor. Um, there were nails coming through, and it was really, you know, there was like, like her people getting splinters and things. And she it just sounded really desperate. I don't even know why I read the ad, to be honest. I didn't want a rug. Um, but I got in touch with her and just said, if somebody does donate one, I could maybe pick it up from you. Okay. She said she transport. Um, and we got, we just got chatted by email, and um, I found out that she had fled a really horrible domestic situation. Um, her and her kids had been homeless for a while, they'd been living in somebody's garden shed for a little while. Okay. Um, then they'd been given this flat, but they just didn't want anything, and she had nobody. And it just made me think, if, if people knew about her, between all of the people I know, friends and family, work colleagues, we would all have things that would help her. Um, just bits and pieces because she really didn't have anything. Okay. So I collected everything from friends and family, yep. delivered it all day, and she was in tears. She was so overwhelmed, and it, I realised really quickly that it wasn't. I mean, the stuff I was giving her wasn't that amazing. <laughs> it was you know people's old plates and bedding and stuff. Um, it was just the fact that people cared about her. Yeah. Um, that really made a difference. And. I said, oh, I just, I really, I loved that feeling. And since that time, actually, I've learned a bit more about the science going behind it. I, I got a high from helping her, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, I decided that I wanted to do it every week. Love it. So, Absolutely love it. Um, and we, we, will, we will have a bit of a fanboy conversation about David Hamilton's book at some point, clearly, because I know you love it. And I, you, reading your book put me on to his book. Um, so I'm a bit of a fanboy as well now, to be honest. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, shall we? Yeah, should, we'll do that. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of turning that from a spark of an idea to something a bit bigger, how did that evolve? Well, I went home that day and I had a book. I was going to set up a Facebook group for my friends and family. Um, I kind of put a little summary in it and sent it, you know, invited all my friends to like it. And I think someone thought it was a bit weird. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just asked people to let me know of anyone they know that needs help. And yeah. so over the, you know, over the first few weeks and months, we were doing little things for people that were going through difficult times. Yeah. Um, Sending, you know, we helped a little girl who was having chemotherapy. We sent her to the theatre and things like that. We were doing quite small things. Yep. And 
after a few months, I noticed that people who I didn't know were liking the pages and follow the stories. And it, it just kind of, it, it snowballed really. And then there was one story in particular, I remember, where we started to get a lot of followers um, who were helping a mother and son who both had cancer. Um, she was a single mum. Her car had broken down, so she was coming to get her son to hospital for his appointments. Okay. I said that we needed a mechanic to fix her car. And I was hoping we might get a mechanic to donate their time for free for her. And then a lady in Scotland um, sent me an email which said she wanted to buy her a car. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was... Fake or not. Yeah, yeah. We, we bought her a car. Amazing. And that got picked up on some of the good news networks and that kind of thing. And that went a little bit viral on social media. Yeah. Um, so we got some more followers from that. And word started to spread a little bit. Um, but it was in 2015, I was invited to IT Studios under, I can't remember, some thing they made up about doing research about a show about charity. And I went along and it was actually um, Holly Willoughby on Surprise Surprise. Okay. Um, yeah, I was in the studio and was surprise surprise. They surprised me and they had people that we'd helped in the audience. Amazing. That aired, that aired that summer, and oh my goodness, overnight. I mean, we, I sat down to watch when it was coming on, and I we had about 4,000 supporters then. Okay. I thought, oh, we, might, we might get to like 10, wouldn't that be amazing? And then um, I didn't turn off the notification from my phone, because at that point, anytime anyone liked anything, commented, did anything. It like pinged. Because it didn't happen that often. Yeah, yeah. And I woke up in the morning and I think I had something like 150,000. Blimey. <laughs> Blimey. So that was a big surprise, surprise. Sorry, that was a bad joke. That, that was awful. <laughs> um, so we, we ended up then with, you know, with almost 100,000 supporters, which. Which is yeah, that changed everything. Has it has it changed your mind about kindness? Is it is it informed your perspective in terms of how kind people are? No, not at all. A few people have asked me that, and it hasn't because I think I've always thought that people are kind. Yeah. I've always had a lot of faith in humanity, I guess. Yeah. I sometimes though, what people might struggle with is what to do. People yeah. Are, they might want to help, but they don't know maybe who to help. And yeah. even, even unkind people, people who seem unkind, I don't think are really bad people. Uh, I agree. I think I think we've all got our own things going on, haven't we? I mean, certainly when you hear stories like you've just told, it just makes me think of two things, really. Number one, how lucky I am. Do you know what I mean? Not to go through some of those uh, and touch wood you know, uh, not yet, anyone, you, you never know what sort of curveballs life's going to throw at you, but I've been able to live an extremely honoured life to not have some of these challenges, um, so, so, so that's number one, but also number two, I think you're right, I think empowered with the opportunity to do good, people will, um, and that's what 52 Lives is about, right? And I think, definitely, and I think one of the reasons 52 Lives has been so successful at helping people is because of the personal stories. And, yeah. Um, you know, we share, and also I think the transparency, people know, you know, we share a story about somebody in need of help, and our supporters offer help, and they know that if they give £10, 
that person gets ten pounds. Actually, more likely four pounds fifty because you just put it in the state. So yeah. And then we often get obviously Google updates, so we often get obviously messages and photos back from the people they've helped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the interesting things because when we first arranged our interview, I, I we were just starting the kindness project. Um, but one of the themes that have, that's come back time and time again from conversations I've I've had with people is the they want to see an impact and they want to see their money being used if they are donating money or, or object they want to see it being used um, by the people who need it the most. Now, actually, I think that's what Fifty Two Lives does does really well. So, so that's really good. So. Um, can you tell it? You've told us a little bit about 52 Lives. Um, how many people have you helped now? Um, it's it's, it's hard to keep track, actually, we obviously help one person every week. Yeah. But on top of that, we also, um, leading up to Christmas, we'll run two Christmas projects, actually. One project where we buy Christmas presents from about 1,000 people each year, so otherwise okay. we wouldn't get presents. Um, and the other project we run with our, one of our corporate donors is Gala Bingo, and we run a project called the 12 Days of Christmas Kindness, I think we called it. Okay, I like it. And every day leading up to Christmas, in the 12 days leading up to Christmas, we do kind of bigger things to help people as well with donations. Okay. Um, and we also have a schools project where we help um, children who are being bullied or who are going through difficult times by yeah. sending them. See, I've, I've, I've seen. Yeah. So, 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 loads is the answer. So, I know, I know, I was going to ask you about the schools project. How, do, how does that work in practice? Well, every week we go to a different primary school somewhere in the country and okay. we run a kindness workshop. Okay. And it stops. It, I mean, it teaches kids about the physical and the social and, you know, the emotional uh, benefits of being kind. So we talked to them a little bit about the science, obviously about also the community yeah. aspect of small communities yeah. being kind. But then we try and have a very practical element to it, or we tell them about a real child somewhere who, who needs some kindness, and it's often a child who's being bullied at another school or someone who's going through a serious illness. And we then put it to the kids, what can we do today to help that person? Practically, um, yeah. Video messages, cards, little gifts, that kind of thing. Amazing. Uh, and the idea of that, the whole aim of the school project, is we really just want to empower them and help them realise that little choices that they make and something, something little that they do right then and there can change somebody's life. Love it. Uh, yeah, and then obviously we then go to that child, we deliver all the cards and messages to the child and they very often send photos and messages back to the school so the kids can see the impact of what they've done. Yeah, it's interesting. My 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 youngest daughter is seven, um, and I think she gets kindness more than some adults, just purely and simply because she hasn't had that layer layers of conditioning that sometimes get in the way of a really, I don't, I don't know, really like sort of. Um, just, just, I, I think, I think often as adults we can get cynical about something like kindness. I know, I know that sometimes when we talk to people about the kindness project, they go, "Why, as a forty-one-year-old man, are you talking about kindness?" And I said, "Look, I think kindness is a is a really nice attribute to have." Um, but I speak to Sophie about it, and she gets it immediately. So I suppose I was. I was coming onto a question now. Do you think when you communicate with children, it's slightly easier because they haven't got some of the barriers that adults have? Um, yeah. Mm. I think 
you're right. I mean, some of the things that they come out with in in the workshops, some of the messages they write to the children, you know, if I'd been told to write a card to somebody, I probably would just, you know, hope you feel better. <laughs> Best regards. <laughs> are just beautiful. And yeah. also, do you know, I've never been out, every time I've, not every time actually, but a lot of times when I tell somebody about a life who hasn't heard of it before, yeah. One of the first questions I'm often asked is, how do you know the people you help are genuine? Yeah. How do you know that sort of thing? And now we have a lot of checks in place that we hmm. do quite heavily before we um, share their story. But no child has ever asked me, how do you know that? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, it's that it's that cynical edge that adulthood sometimes brings that doesn't do us any favours. Because I think sometimes we can make excuses about helping, can't we? And and, and that and that's not helpful. Um, how do you think? I know I know Fifty Two Lives is a really good platform to help people be more kind. But how, what what other things could people do to be a bit more kinder in their day to day lives? I think. At the moment, I really think one of the biggest things that everybody can do is being present mm. um, with people. I think your attention is one of the kindest things you can give somebody. Yeah, agreed. Everybody is really, myself included, it's one thing we're all facing at, I think. I mean, how often do you see people looking at their phones while they're talking to somebody, looking at their phones yeah. at dinner? We all have one eye, if the phone pings, you're looking at it. Or even, you know, while, while I'm in the room, my husband sometimes. Even if we're sitting there watching telly and doing anything, one of, one of us could be on our phone, which is just yeah. awful. Even speaking with sometimes I'm on my phone, and I think, I think that, that it just sends a clear message to the person in the world that they're not worth the full attention. Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel nice either. If I'm talking to someone and they're looking at their phone, it just it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It's being present in that conversation, isn't it? And being, being engaged. Yeah. And that's got real human connection as well. It's, it's, yeah, I think that. I think that phones are damaging human relationships generally. Mm. Yeah, it's and interesting. We, have, we do have a bit of a visual in our hearts now. Maybe if you're talking to someone who goes away, we're not having conversations with, with a phone there as well. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's, uh, that's not the worst rule in the world. We did a thing in our house yesterday, and, and uh, this, this will go out on a, on a Wednesday, but we recorded this podcast on a uh, we recording this podcast on a Monday. Um, I didn't realise that my girls were doing a um, a Sunday night facial, so they were doing. So I I ended up with cucumber eyes yesterday night and a face full of apple and some other fruit. But it was a really good. I mean, I looked ridiculous, Jamie, to be honest. But it was such a like good experience to go through with the girls because. We were all laughing and joking, and it was a really good way of, of connecting with each other without the use of technology. Um, and I think technology is amazing, but it's, it has its place, right? Definitely. Yeah. I went to stay with my son, oh, it was probably last year now. I remember my son asked me if I'd come and do a Lego with him. And yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. He said, can you leave your phone outside? And it just, it stabbed me in the heart. Oh, yeah. I would they're trying to do some of the at the same time. Yeah. 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 That really, you know, oh God, I need to stop this right now. Especially because they're not teenagers yet. And when they are, I don't want to be doing that. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... 
It's, it's an interesting one. So just just on that Lego-related note, because my youngest loves a bit of Lego, is your son a Lego purist? Does he need to follow the rules, or is he a bit more of a creative thinker? Does he just go off, um, off and make his own stuff? I have been trying so hard to get him to make his own stuff. I bought Lego Classic so that he would okay. just agree to go, no, he was by the book, by the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just, just tell you a really quick, just to quick tell you my, my Lego story. So um, Cassie, Cassie, my wife, and Charlotte, my oldest daughter, went out to see uh, Dream Girls. It was the, it was the last uh, time they were playing it in the West End. So they went out to see his show, and it was me and Sophie, my, my youngest, indoors with um, a Lego fairground set. So got, got everything out, and everything's individually wrapped in 10 bags, ready to build the Ferris wheel and the picnic table and, and everything we needed to. I popped to the loo, and when I got back, Sophie had unwrapped the 10 bags and just put them in a giant pile. So I said, okay, cool, no worries. Let's just, let's not worry about the instructions. Let's get a bit creative. No, Dad, we've got to follow the instructions. I spent five hours just trying to find tiny little ferris wheel pieces in this big pile of lego um and then yeah it was it was it was then we decided to get creative because i thought yeah this is uh this is never going to work but yeah it was good fun um opening those little plastic bags and putting them in your little pile would have made myself's head explode. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but but the weird thing is, she went. So she went. I'm going to mix everything up, but then still needed to follow the rules. I went. Have we just made that harder for ourselves or not? I don't know. Um, so you had to find a little one black clear piece. Yeah. Wearing the <laughs> yeah. In in ten bags of combined Lego. Not the easiest challenge in the world. Um, now, one thing I read when I was doing the research for this interview is the uh, Independence Happy List in 2018. Um, to be frank, it's the first time I've seen it, and I really like the idea of it. So, uh, what was it like featuring on that list? And do you think we should have more of a focus on people who do good stuff in the world than just celebrate success using sort of definitions of wealth and fame? I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, I only first heard about the happy list because um, my husband was on it a few years ago. Okay. He was on it before he was my husband, but um, it's just such a good idea. I love people it. People who make it for others rather than people who are wealthy. And I, j I just really think there is so much focus at the moment on um, on fame, on celebrity. Yeah. And celebrity for no reason. I, I don't yeah. mind if people famous for doing yeah. you know, something being yeah, <laughs> but a lot of the reasons are vacuous, right? They mean they're meaningless. And I just think that we should anything that puts a focus on people's character and what kind of person they are, yeah. rather than if they're pretty or rich or have a million followers on Instagram. Yeah, it, 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 yeah we should value people for their character. Yeah. Their just out of interest, what, what what did your husband pop up on the list for? Um, he runs a an initiative called 101 Things to Do When You Survive. Okay. Um, he's, had, he's had cancer twice in his life, once when he was a child and then again as an adult. And after his second bout of cancer, um, which he's thankfully recovered from now, but um, he, he struggled a lot um, psychologically. He, he wasn't ready for it, I don't think, either the mental effects of okay. cancer. 
and he felt a lot of guilt as well because he was better and he thought that that should mean he'd be happy but actually he um, he got diagnosed with PTSD and he he was just gripped with fear he was afraid that he was going to get ill again or that maybe the cancer hadn't gone anyway okay. he, he had, he had a, um, eczema he was he was really crippled by anxiety really. and okay. he decided to he decided to just change his life he, he used to work in forensics for the Met Police and he quit his job he saved up some money and he went traveling and he set up a website he doesn't like lists he doesn't like the idea of something before you die so he made a list of things to do when you survive um, and he wanted to inspire people who are going through something either a mental illness or a physical illness that you can get better there is a future um, and when he started doing that, he started putting together this website, he felt lonely. So by Love the time it. he actually had to go on his trip, he said he didn't really feel like he needed to go anymore. Because <laughs> just the planning of it made him feel better about life. But his website um, got this, it got the support of Bear Grylls actually, and he, okay. he travelled all around the world and he was on national TV and it was a country. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Do, do you think going through that challenge has informed both you, his perspective and your perspective on life? I think it's made us very grateful. Yeah. Um, we sometimes talk about, I don't know, we're just quite content to be honest. We're quite happy with our life. And every now and then we feel guilty about that. Like, should we not be... Should we not be more ambitious? Should we not be trying to do more? I don't know. And then I think, well, but we're happy, and yeah. we're both we're both very lucky. We're doing jobs that really are very fulfilling. Yeah. That we're very fulfilling. Um, you know, our kids, such wood, are all happy and healthy. And yeah. I just think, I think there's so much. I don't know. Yeah. Pressure on doing more and being more and having a better decorated house and having a bigger car and what does it mean what does it mean does it mean you're happier though that stuff i'm not, I'm not convinced yeah. it does so yeah. it's definitely it's very grateful and every day we talk about and even if we are we obviously have moans about things sometimes but then we quite quickly go we're so lucky we're so exactly lucky. yeah yeah but but i i my my favorite phrase at the minute is um uh, everything I suffer is a first world problem, right? You know, it's just one of those things where you go, yeah, certainly it could be it could be better, but it certainly could be worse, and you've just got to be sort of lucky. Um, you've got to be grateful for, for what you've got, including spending four hours looking for a little Lego piece. Not that I'm frustrated, Jamie. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to give that impression. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, look, look, it's it's it's. It's a nice problem to have when you can spend some really meaningful time with your with your daughter, even if it is looking for Lego. Um, now you've had. I didn't want to one up you on your Lego story, Chris, but. Tell me, tell me. I decided my daughter used to be really into Lego. Okay. She, I, the Lego friends set there was pretty much over the years, and when we moved house, they all got dumped into boxes. Um, and I decided that's such a waste of money, I'm going to sell them if she's not going to. Okay. So I took a photo of one of the boxes because I still had the boxes and I sold a big, I think it was a grand hotel, some big set. And somebody bought it for quite a lot of money and I was like, awesome. And then I had to make sure everything was there. I had to go through about 20 years <laughs> to build this grand hotel. It took me about two days to find the pieces. Uh. Um, 
And I realised that, yeah, the whole cost-benefit of... No, the time it's taken you to build it. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't even help me, so it wasn't like it was time. Well, but, but that... Tis the end! <gasps> now, that was louder than normal. I've got to say, it felt louder than normal. I don't know, Russ, what did you think? That's probably the pure GNT's in that you had last night. Ha! Uh, right. Out. But why do I... Why, why every time we have Russell on as a guest does he dig me out? Last time he did. Now I was... I, right, I was speaking at an event last night, Charlotte. I'm entitled to have a couple of GNT's and a couple of beers, aren't I? What? Speaking, you drank? No, after. After. After I was, I was on, I, I was on methamphetamine while I was. No, I wasn't. I was. I did. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> Dave, why? why right, I tell you what. Why don't you leave Dave alone? He did He did No. Yeah. Pick on Dave. Um, right. Last week's question of the podcast was: If you could live anywhere in the world apart from where you currently live, where would you live? Where would you live, Russ? It won't be Wompers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite a for us. Dave has ruined Romford for Russell. Dave will not, like, he, he, nobody will go to Romford anymore. Well, it's definitely not Dave the Dynamo, let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so, we had bucket loads of answers for this question. It was quite a popular question. Rory Percival said he'd live in Scotland. Hills whiskey, language, and a small possibility of being in the EU. Brexit talk. Um, Clive Waller said France. Civilised, weather, location, food and wine, Cote d'Azur in the EU. Again, there's all these people worried about Brexit going, going Scotland, to France. Dennis Hall is a man after our own heart. Japan. Mountains. The best whiskey, an impossible language, absolutely no need to talk about Brexit, and food, culture, and scenery. People really hate Brexit. I know, I know. Brexit is a bit frustrating, isn't it? Um, you want it? Sophie's coming, and she wants to say one thing about Japan. Pocky. Pocky. Well, that is a good thing about Japan, isn't it? Pocky. And different flavoured Kit Kats. That's I got my fingers in a dog Then we've got um, so so. Uh, but Dennis's wife is Japanese, so I know that. Um, Noel Watson had a bit of a sort of mixed bag on this. He said for six months Germany, season to the Nuremberg Ring. I think that's a motor racing ring. I think that is a f- made up. That is not made up. There is no, a Nuremberg is a motor racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an attempt at 200 miles per hour on a midsummer evening on the autobahn, and a leaving party of the Oktoberfest. Permanent residence would be California. Weather, wine, outdoor adventures all year round. Um, uh, Darren Cook said he'd go to the north coast of Spain. Alam Ahmed um, said, Germany, people are really cheap. Spain, house prices are really cheap. Hold on, not, not Germany, people are really cheap. I got that wrong. <laughs> Germany, people are really nice. Nice. And cheap. cheap. Um, Spain, Spain, house prices are cheap. Romania, 
Why not? What? <laughs> I suppose the answer is why? Um, and Brazil, the people are nice and cheap. <laughs> no, um, uh, Alan, Alan, I don't know how Alan's going to live in all four places at once, but I, I don't know. Go for it, mate. Go for it. Victor Sachs said, France for me, De Ville would be absolutely spot on. Um, and I think, oh no, Martin Hill said, France, Languedoc, vineyards, rolling hills, food, wine, Pyrenees, skiing, cycling, history, lovely people, more wine. Well, it is a bit of an odds rock, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, answer hog Um But no, people have like really gone to town with this one. Uh, and Martin McNamara said, Northwest Spain, re-established the British colony last established in 600 AD. That's a bit weird, boy. It's like a Genghis Khan character. Um, so, <laughs> I will take over Spain like we did in the Middle Ages. It's such a memorable history. I know, it is. It is. Oh, Ro Rohan Sibajotti said, New Zealand, relaxed, lovely people, good weather, nice pace of life, but it is a bit far away. Marco Alleran said, he's stuck between either the Netherlands or the Philippines. Tasman Kane said, Spain, she loves the food, wine, chilled out attitude, beautiful countryside and climate. Gillian Bird said, Spain, the weather, food, views, beaches, sea, people, culture and booze. Spain. Spain's popular, France yeah. is popular as well. Brian Hill said he couldn't possibly comment. That's because we know Brian lives in Italy, doesn't he? So he's obviously not too keen on it. Um, Sarah said Italy. Um, she thinks it's beautiful. Pa oh, I always get this bloke's name. Mr. Floyd <laughs> said Spain is a good shout for the food and countryside. Ireland for the countryside. Weather's not too a problem if it's green. Serena's not Pitt's country, but she'd like to visit a country that pays every person money and you don't have to work if you want to. If you want to, it's only a four-day working week. Um, Catherine Keats said, uh, Kathleen Keats said Bahamas. Dave Forsdyke said Canada. David Crozier said he wouldn't live in any other country. He likes to visit, but he likes to come back. Jane Hodges said Thailand. Um, Robbie White said Greece. Friend of the show, Robbie White. Cookie said Holland. Uh, Alison Hagen said she's already lived in Australia and Italy, but she'd like to visit the Scandinavian countries. Caroline Thompson said South Africa or Australia. Lucy Patrick said nowhere but England. And Rich Ellis said Italy. The final one is reserved for Mr Paul Schaefer, who said England... But in the 1970s, why would you want to go back to the 1970s? Like, I certainly wouldn't. Pre-podcast, pre pre-internet, pre-like, why, why would you, why would you, would you go back to the 1970s, Russ? No. Would you go back to the 1980s? No, I wouldn't. I, I might, I might be tempted to, I might be tempted to go back to the 80s, but I, I definitely wouldn't go back to the 70s. Some of the technology in the 80s that we've never seen before and... It, it was just amazing. Now you look at stuff and you think, well, why aren't they doing better than that? Yeah, but knowing what you know about... Like, if you went back in time, 
you'd have a 2019 oh, well. perspective in the 1980s, oh, well, and then you'd be in a position where you'd go, "This is rubbish." Yeah, you do you know you would, yeah. wouldn't you? Like, it was good. It was like, like. Imagine what you could do if you went back in time after knowing what you know now. What could you, you do? Could create Facebook, Twitter. You could create Google. Should we go back we to the 1980s? Family monopoly. Of all the what you're talking about is the bootstrap paradox. Like, that is What's the bootstrap paradox? Okay, so, okay, the best example is, you know, I'm going to use Mozart music. So, say you go back in time, well, because you want to make Mozart, and you go back in time and Mozart's not there, but then you introduce Mozart music. So where did that music come from in the first place? Are you sure you've Mate. just watched Back to the Future? No, I didn't get it. Me. You do look a, a bit like Biff Tanner. You do yeah. know that. You do look like... <laughs> you, do, you do look like... I oh, definitely... But where did you get the idea from if you were the one that created it originally? Because, so similar to the... If a tree falls in the forest... Does it ever make does sound? Does anybody hear it? Schrodinger's cat. I don't know what we've gone with this, to be honest. <laughs> right. I... I that is I, I I genuinely don't but the don't the uh, listeners might know that you've been watching uh, Big Bang Theory. I haven't. I haven't. I've been watching Big Bang Theory. I I I I've always. Uh, I just like the bootstrap paradox. All right. Yeah. And anyway, we could go down a bit of a rabbit hole with this, couldn't we? So let's not. Let's pause it for now and we say. In a radioactive <laughs> box is that live or dead? Let's say. Um, <laughs> let's say to our listeners. Have a lovely week. Enjoy whatever you're doing. We love you all. Goodbye. Goodbye.